This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 288. I'm so excited to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast in 2021, UART Premium Sanded Paper. If you've not ever tried a sanded paper before, then I would highly recommend UART Premium Sanded Paper. It's the only sanded paper on the market that currently offers seven different grades to choose from. It comes in both a dark and a beige color. Go to the show notes page to check out the link from our sponsor. I'll have more to say about UART near the middle of our interview today. And we thank UART Premium Sanded Paper for their support of the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, my name is John Middick, sharpenedartist.com. I'm so glad that you're back again with us on the show. This is the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome Linda Lucas Hardy. Now, maybe you know who she is. And if you've been around colored pencil uh, very long at all, then you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, but she is a colored pencil artist. She also works in oils and graphite. She has been working with UART sanded paper for quite some time now. And I cannot wait. I'm really chomping at the bit to ask her certain questions about this particular surface. So Linda, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Let's talk about how you got started in colored pencil. What was your first medium uh, of choice when you started doing art or have you just always done art? How far back do you want me to go? Um, maybe after birth. No, let's narrow it down, right? <laughs> maybe adult life, maybe 20s or something. Were you doing art in, in your 20s? Mm, dabbling. Okay. I have to go back a little ways because uh, when sure. I was 13 or 14 years old, I mm -hmm. had private lessons uh, from a woman named Mrs. Masters who taught art out of her garage. Hmm. And she started me in watercolor and then she started me in oil paint. And Mrs. Masters left an indelible mark on me. Mm. And I've always loved art. It's all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I've ever thought about. Mm. Uh, but everything was put on hold because I have seven children. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and did um, not know that. Yes. So children raised was my priority. Yeah, of course. So. I've always wanted to do it, as I said, but I didn't. Let me think. In 1984, my next door neighbor invited me to join her in taking an oil painting class about 45 miles from here at a junior college. And in 1985, we had a community college open up about 20 miles from where I live. So I went to the community college to take an art class, an oil painting class. My youngest twins were five years old. They started school, and I was convinced that I would do a lot of things uh, around the house. And what I did was I sat on the couch depressed because I had no one to talk to. <laughs> so <laughs> The house is empty. <laughs> so I took uh, an oil painting class, and yeah. that oil painting class lasted approximately 10 years. I decided to go ahead and take the academics, but I took every art class offered, mm -hmm. uh, stayed out there until I graduated. And then for another two years, the 
teacher that I had uh, gave me scholarships. Oh, wow. So I had two years uh, more yeah. of scholarships. So nice. it was a very good time. And then uh, at that time, I still had five children at home. So I put, I have to tell you about when I was introduced. Can I tell you about when I was introduced to color painting? Yeah. It was in the early 90s. And okay. the teacher that I had didn't know how to teach them. So everything we did was basic coloring or sketching. I didn't like them. Yeah, yeah. So in 1993, I don't know what happened. It could have been the algebra that I hated. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not math-minded. But mm -hmm. something sparked my interest in colored pencil, and I could not quit working. Huh. I'd come home from class, and I'd push the medium, and I'd push the medium, and I had no idea what I was doing. Were but, you pursuing a degree at that time or something? Well, you know, I got an associate's degree. Okay. I even I even got a scholarship to go to another college, but with five kids still at home, transportation yeah, was not tough. reliable. Right. Um, I decided not to go any further. Okay. Yep. So after that intense time in '93, mm -hmm. I put the pencils away for five years and continued to raise my children. So one Sunday afternoon. I looked up on a shelf and I saw this portrait I had started of my oldest daughter. Mm. And I thought, I need to finish that. Mm -hmm. So I finished the portrait. And from that time on, I continued to do colored pencil. But really? Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Much more to the story. Oh, well, sure. Okay. So around uh, 98 or something like that, 99, something like that, mm -hmm. you started getting very focused on colored pencil. Uh -huh. D so did you like oils? And, and um, when you took that class back in 84, did you like watercolor when you were studying under Mrs. Masters? or uh, was that just uh, Well, she taught me oil. And I think that's what, you know, she started me in watercolor, but she, Okay. I progressed oil. And mm -hmm. what I learned from her, I kept. Okay. Um, so. And you carry that into your colored pencil work, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, actually, no, I carried no? colored pencil into my oils. But oh, <laughs> interesting. How so? What, what, what would you say? Uh, why would you say that? What, what is it that, that you're carrying into oils whenever you're um, doing that and you're thinking about some of the principles of color pencil. What, what is that? Okay. In 2008, I decided to switch mediums and I knew it was risky because I had built up so much momentum in colored pencil, but I wanted to do oil. Uh, and I was in the gallery, but um, no one put any pressure on me. I just decided I wanted to do oils again. Mm -hmm. So for two years, I had a, very frustrating two years. Mm. Couldn't get that brush to do what I could get a pencil to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there painting one day and this little voice comes to me and says, now, Linda, if you would approach oil like you do colored pencil or just approach oil like you do colored pencil. I'm, oh, OK. So from that time on, I wouldn't say it was easy, but from that time on, I, I did things different. What were some of those things? Well, you know, in color pencil, you do a lot of uh, layering. Yeah. And I, I understand. 
I would always say I know color pencil intimately. Yeah. Because I would understand how layering, you put one color over another color right. to create another color, uh, depending on how much of it you put on. Well, what I did was I started glazing in oil, mm -hmm. which right, is right. kind of the same thing. You just yeah. use thin paint. That's what I do. That makes Very a lot of sense. Very time consuming as right. is colored pencil, but I don't really care. I don't. But the look is. Yeah. And the look is just phenomenal when you do that. So I want to back you up for just a moment then. And let's talk about that in between time then with colored pencil, when you started in colored pencil. So when you started liking and loving colored pencil and you couldn't put it down after you uh, completed your daughter's portrait, what surface were you working on at that time? And when you started out and what pencils were you working with? Okay. When I started working in color pencils, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. So what I did was, uh, oh, okay, paper. I worked on the Canson Metientes. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I worked on. Uh, prior to that, I worked on whatever was available, but not all papers are compatible with color pencil. Right. Uh, when I started working with color pencil, like I said, I didn't know anything. So I didn't know how to correct a mistake. Let me see. I would go ahead and finish something, mm -hmm. but if I, I would study it, and if there was a little area, let's say a little inch square area that I liked, I may right. not like the rest of it, but I like that, I'd try to figure out how I did that so okay. I could repeat that in the next yeah. piece. And those little inches kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If you'll scroll all the way down to the bottom of my yep. page, uh -huh. you'll see a Native American. Right. All the pieces that I did before that, I wish I could show you the original piece. I, I, it's not on my webpage, uh, but it was basically a sketch. But I went from okay. coloring with colored pencil to that Native American in three and a half months. Oh, wow. There's one called Kicking Bear. Uh -huh. It rendered 93. Uh -huh. That one, the, uh, the one in color. Okay. So then the one in color. Yeah. I looked at that one too. Okay. So that one says study done in 93. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was this on Canson Mitons or was it on yep. something different? Yep. It was. Okay. And that black, I created that black with black pencil. I guess you liked Canson Mitons a little bit, right? Do you still like it or? Let me put it this way. I didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you but, work on it today? I'll just, let me yes, just ask that. You yes, would? And I'll okay. tell you why. Because you I'm like familiar it? with it because it yeah, takes a lot yeah. of layering. Right. Because it, um, I guess because it takes a lot of layering, it takes a lot of color. And I don't like the slick papers. I'm sorry for that. Everybody that works on Stonehenge or Strathmore or whatever they work on, I don't like them. So, so when we're talking about Canson Mitons, are we talking about there's there seems to be a lot of different papers that use, you know, that Canson puts out under that name Mitons or Mitons or whatever you want to call it. There's one, I mean, that's uh, called Pastel. I mean, it seems to be like a standard that has been around for a while. Um, that's it. It's the Pastel paper. That's it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So it has like this pattern on the top side of it. Yes. That's the pastel yeah. side. It looks kind of like a honeycomb. You don't want to use that side. Yeah. You use the back side. Is that right? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, and you I'm like it because of all the tooth on it? Yes. Primarily? Because, okay. Uh -huh. But let me explain something to you. Sure. Um, when I started working in sandpaper, on sandpaper, uh, I didn't realize that sandpaper had a grain. 
I did not know that the Canson paper had a grain. Once I started working on the sandpaper, I went back to Canson and I looked at it. I went, this has got a grain. Mm-hmm. So I have learned, I've taught myself how to work on this paper and not to let the grain bother me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. When did you start using sanded paper? I have no idea what year it was. Okay. But someone sent me an email and they told me that Carrie Ballantine was teaching a workshop in Oklahoma City at the Pre de West. And you probably don't know anything about Carrie Ballantine because she No, quit, I don't. She quit working in color pencil uh, many years ago. Okay. But in my opinion, Carrie Ballantine was the best I had ever seen in color pencil. Oh, interesting. So I was really excited to take her workshop. Uh-huh. So Carrie worked on sandpaper. And at mm. that time, it was called Ursta. Ursta is the predecessor to UART. So the second I touched pencil to that paper, I was in love with it. Really? Mm-hmm. So was that the 800 grit? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So velvety. Mm-hmm. Now, it has a grain, though. Yeah, it does. And, and it has important. that linear kind of tooth on it because of the electrostatic charge that they use to apply the grain, that grit on there. Well, uh, on the sanded paper, you I don't see that very much. Uh, yeah. how, how do you, you get rid of that? It. No, because you have to work across the grain and at diagonals. And diagonal, yeah. You do not work with the grain. If you work down the grain, you're going to see nothing but grain because you're building layers of pigment. Right. And you want the pigment to go down into the valleys of the paper first. And once you get the valleys filled, you still never go with the grain unless you want texture. But it's a discipline to work across the grain and at diagonals. But I'm really used to it, so it doesn't bother me. What is required in that technique? Is it a slow stroke of the pencil and that diagonal is part of it, uh, like you mentioned? What else is required to be able to fill in that grain? Well, you start out very slowly. The whole idea is to get the valley spilled first. So Mm -hmm. I'd say my strokes are maybe a quarter of an inch or a little more. And so I work across the grain, diagonal, diagonal, across the grain, diagonal, diagonal. But that's mm-hmm. not that's not a formula. Right. It's just whatever it needs. Yeah. So um, and then I bring it up. I bring the saturation up almost to 100 percent where the paper's pretty saturated. Mm-hmm. And then I blend the pigment with a dry brush. A dry brush. And what kind of brush is it that you're using? Oh, is it like a stiff bristled brush? Oh, that's or? so sad. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started blending with brushing, you know, I told you, um, I have to tell you the story of the accident. Yeah, I, 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 I'm dying to know about this. So so you guys know what, what we're talking about here. When I was talking to, to Linda um, the other day, I, she said something about it was by total accident that she discovered something and then it changed. It just like revolutionized what she was doing in colored pencil. And then she started teaching that. And I was dying to find out what it was. I said, OK, don't tell me. Let's wait till we're on the show <laughs> so you can tell me then. So Here's the reveal. What is this thing? If you look on my webpage, it's not at the bottom, but there's uh, portraits of two little black girls. The little girl on the left, 
She's got a blue shadow on her shirt. Right. Now, that is on Canson paper, by the way. Okay. So I was working on that portrait, and I had wax bloom because I only work with Prismacolor. And we need Ah, to talk about that, too. Oh, yeah, I do want to talk about that. So So, uh, all along, we've been talking about just Prismacolor. Is that right? That's that's the only thing I use is Prismacolor. And I will explain why. Gotcha. All right. So I had wax bloom, and I did Mm -hmm. not know what to do. So I contacted someone I had had email contact with who happened to live in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And she told me to get a brush and just kind of brush over it or use a soft tissue or something like that. Well, I must have missed the part about the soft brush because (laughs) I I picked up an old oil painting bristle brush Uh that had a lot of oil paint stuck in the close to the ferrule. Yeah. And I started moving along her hair and I accidentally brushed on her shirt. Mm. And when I did, I looked at that and I went, (gasps) what did that do? And I thought, I'm just going to do that over the whole thing. Yeah. That's funny. And that revolutionized everything. Wow. From that point on, I blended with a brush. Now. That's so cool. Brush. Yeah. So I went around, I knew my little bristle brush wasn't going to last very long. So I started looking for brushes and I found the perfect brush made by Low Cornell. It was a little craft bristle brush, just perfect. And they quit making it. Oh, they did eventually quit making it. So I haven't found the perfect brush. Mm-hmm. And what's important, <laughs> most people don't understand, and that's why I have to teach it, is the brush has to be stiff next to the ferrule. Yeah. It can't, if the brush is too soft, even a bristle brush, it mm-hmm. just lays down. You got to have something that'll work the pigment. If the paper is not fairly saturated, up to at least 80% saturation, mm-hmm. there's nothing to move around because, you know, there's no paint in yeah. that brush. Right. So you have to have something you can move. Right. So, uh, and I go across the grain and at diagonals just exactly like um, I do with the pigment. Interesting. Another thing that uh, I think happens with working on sanded paper, you can get to that point where you have totally saturated and burnished everything uh-huh. to the point that it's just slick. Uh-huh. It just becomes very, very slick. Uh-huh. Do you stop before you get to that point or do you embrace that and go just as far as it'll go? No, but I'm saying 80 percent, 80 percent saturation. And then you're uh, on, done on the paper. OK. And, and then I use the brush and the brush and, does the rest of the work for me. It and then you don't in. go back over it with any uh-uh. pencil after that. Let okay. me tell you why you can't, because you don't have that color. Once it starts blending, it mushes mm-hmm. all those colors together and you don't have that color. Plus. It's slick and it won't take any more pigment, whereas sandpaper will, but uh, paper won't. Yeah. Okay. But what about sandpaper? It if you if you're on okay, so once it gets slick, do you, do you keep going even no, on sanded paper? No. Everything I do is well planned. Uh, it's a very much a discipline with me and how mm-hmm. I apply the pencil, uh, when, how far I go. Everything's right. disciplined. So you know how you can burnish on sandpaper. Mm-hmm. On sanded paper, you can burnish. Do mm-hmm. you do you do you don't do that? It, the brush does the burnishing. So you go far enough to where it doesn't create like that reflective. Like if I shined a light 
on sanded paper that is burnished, uh, I could see a reflection because mm-hmm. of the the wax buildup of the pencils. Right. But you don't go that far, right? No. Okay, gotcha. No. And right. let me point out, you can only use Prismacolor on sandpaper. That's why I stay with Prismacolor, is the binder is wax. Mm-hmm. When that wax warms a little bit by the friction of the brush, yeah. that helps move the pigment. A uh, color pencil that has an oil binder mm-hmm. floats off the paper. Mm-hmm. So it won't adhere. You have to have the wax binder in order for it to adhere to the sandpaper. So you've tried polychromos and Derwent Lightfast and Luminance on sanded paper, but those just don't work for your techniques. Yes, I've made right? all those mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look on my webpage at uh-huh. the girl with the multicolored hair and the girl with the both yeah. of those were done on sandpaper. So beautiful. Your your work is just exquisite. Okay, so and then this is all Prismacolor Premier. All right. 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 Um, so I have to use Prismacolor because the binders wax, because I work on the sandpaper, uh, and because the wax adheres and I blend with a dry brush. None mm-hmm. of that works with uh, any other kind of pencil. Un- uh, you know, unless there's a binder, this wax in it. Now that might work, but. Well, like I, Luminance has wax. Because, binder. well, I don't have Luminance. I have okay. probably every other brand, but. Okay. Um, <laughs> So when you teach your workshops, uh, I mean, do you ever encounter where someone has luminance or some other pencil? And I require Prismacolor Premier in the workshop I teach. Right. Okay. Because you're not going to get the results. And if I'm not familiar with the luminance, if if I'm not familiar with that, I can't. I don't know what it's going to do. I do know what Prismacolor is going to do. Okay. All right. And I'd like to point out one other thing: blending with the brush, because people are always fascinated with that. I try not to blend shadows. The little girl right below the girl with the multicolored hair. Uh-huh. If you look at that close, you'll see grain. Yeah, I, I do, but not a lot. I see a little bit. Yeah. That's because I cannot blend skin tones or shadows with the brush. You get unexpected colors. <laughs> right. Because right. what the brush does, it, it intensifies the color. Mm-hmm. And it changes the color. So on her, what I did was what I call a soft blend. And what I do is I take the brush and I just run down the grain of the paper very softly. Mm. Leave it at that. Yeah. Now her eyes, her hair, her shirt, all of that was blended with the brush. But her skin tones were not. What about the background? Is that just the beige of the paper? Are you talking about the blue-haired girl and the multicolored hair? I'm talking about the uh, blue-haired girl, the, the fragility girl, of lives and dreams. That uh, has white pencil over the background. On the background. Okay. So I didn't know that about using that brush on uh, skin tones. That's that's interesting. Well, let me give you an example. On the girl with the multicolored hair. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew I was going to blend her hair with the brush but I had no intention of blending the skin tone. None. Uh, The jacket, the shirt, the hair, the earrings, everything, but not her skin. Yeah. Guess what happened? Tell me. Accident. Oh, (laughs) another accident. (laughs) I accidentally brushed over 
an area of her skin. Ah. Well, it changes it so much. Yeah. I had no choice but to blend everything. (laughs) And what resulted was a major problem because the colors were too dark and too red. So I put it away and I studied it for several days. Mm -hmm. Okay, what can I do? What can I do to tone down this color? And I used yellowed chartreuse over her skin and it fixed it. (laughs) So it got rid of that red color. We were getting it hinting back towards an orange golden kind of color. That's that's cool. Did you uh, experiment on a separate sheet or something to figure that out? Or no. what did you do? You just you just <laughs> went for it. <laughs> Hand me the gun. Where's the bullet? I've done color pencil so <laughs> Let's just long do this. <laughs> that, yeah. that I don't, um, you know, I don't experiment, but I teach my students to do that yeah if they're unsure of anything they do uh swatches color swatches yeah yeah after a while you get to a point where you don't really need to do that see to me that those skin tones there are phenomenal i mean that that is a very golden kind of skin tone i really love it uh it's also a good compliment to the jacket john i had what i had right you know (laughs) and i and i had to live with it yeah so, uh, and, and let me make another point, and you were probably going to ask me this, but when you do something like that and you kind of have made an error and it's <laughs> drastic and you have to live with it, don't criticize yourself. Don't put it away. Go ahead and do your best and then go on to something else. So, you know, that's really important. Yeah. Well, you put it away and then you thought about it, which I think is key. Mm -hmm. And then you came back with a solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You're talking to a new artist that's starting out in colored pencil. What happens when they sit around and criticize their work and and put their work down all the time? What what advice would you give someone like that that is always hard on themselves? I have students that do that, but I work on them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't allow it. And the reason I don't allow it is because I used to do that. I mean, I'm, I can't stop someone from criticizing their work, but, and we yeah. are our own worst critics. Right. But I quit doing that a long time ago. Uh, I quit being my own worst critic. I actually like my work. Yeah. Uh, but I could pick it apart. Yeah. But that's I, an I important piece of uh, being successful, I think, in my opinion. So let me give you an example. <laughs> Uh, back in, hmm, might've been 2005, you know, I did this series with plastic bags mm-hmm. and they I are extremely complicated. Yeah. They look like it. <laughs> and I was doing this one piece called the Magnificent Seven hmm. and, uh, it's on my webpage. And I'm looking for it one, now. <laughs> one area that I worked on and I didn't like it. I oh, thought I that it. is the ugliest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> but I didn't quit. Yeah. I kept working on it. I kept pushing it. By the time I was finished with that piece, the area that I thought was the ugliest was my favorite part. Hmm. Okay, which part is this? You gotta tell me. <laughs> okay, you see the two little cherries on the right? Yep. Is that part right above it where the stem is? Right yeah, to the right of the stem. Just to the right of the stem. Mm-hmm. That whole area right there, I thought was horrendous. Oh yeah, that is one of my favorite parts too. 
Now because I can that. see distance. I can see how it, it moves and then it is crumpled and goes back into the distance. Now, I did this piece very early on, so you can still see a lot of the grain in the paper. It wasn't a very good mm. I, I Because I did it so early before mm -hmm. digital cameras, um, okay. I don't have a good copy of that and it's sold. But um, it looks like a pretty mind. good copy here to me. But I know what you're saying. In person, it's so much better than what you what you get with a camera. Uh, that's that's exciting. That what size is this one? Do you I remember? Have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but let me tell you another story about this piece. Yeah. Back in 2000, I entered my first competition. I entered okay. one competition, and that was Nationals uh, Color Pencil Society International. Right. And uh, my piece got in, and I thought it was a fluke. Uh, the second year I entered, the show was in Fort Worth, and my piece didn't get in, which is I live, you know, closer to Fort Worth than right. Else, right. It was very disappointing. Yeah. Um, the third year I entered nationals again, just one piece per year, mm -hmm. um, which actually runs into another story. But this piece, um, I started entering magazines, and I entered the International Artist Magazine one year and i wanted the international arts magazine's grand prize award i mean i wanted it so bad <laughs> so right. bad i couldn't couldn't stand it yeah but the piece that i entered um didn't get noticed didn't get anything but several months later they sent me a letter and they said they were going to do a book called 101 ways to do uh portraits and figures or something like that ah. so uh the piece that i had entered was in that book which was my oh, first wow. publication yeah now when i did nice. this piece i entered this in the international artist magazine mm -hmm. and it won the grand prize award oh nice the first and only color pencil piece to ever win that award that is awesome i held for 13 years the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, UART Premium Sanded Paper. Seven grades to choose from, like we mentioned earlier at the top of the show. There is a dark and there's a beige option for you. As a color pencil artist, I highly recommend the 800 and the 600 grades of paper, both excellent surfaces to work on. Now, the paper is pH neutral. It's acid-free. It accepts wet media. It has a very consistent surface, and it comes in a variety of sizes, too. You can also get a sample pack, which I think is an awesome way to just start out with sanded paper. The reason for that consistent surface, though, is due to the way that it gets created. The backing is a wood pulp that gets turned into paper. And then a thin layer of resin is applied to the paper so it can accept the grain and aluminum oxide. And so that's applied electrostatically, meaning that the paper is above the grain and an electrostatic charge is applied that will actually pull all the grain up so they align perfectly perpendicular to the paper. And then another layer of resin is applied to fix the grains in place so that they don't move. They don't shed. They don't come apart. And then finally, the paper is flexed to give it more flexibility. So this is the reason why you can have a velvety smooth uh, 800 grade 
of grit level on that uh, paper and it just stays in place and you can manipulate it in so many different ways. So a big thanks to UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. Go over to the show notes to check out the link for UART Premium Sanded Paper. Well, I will tell you this. I I put out a question inside uh, Monthly Sharpener in the member circle group, um, and I said, I'm going to be interviewing a couple of artists, um, one that works in sanded paper on UART. Uh, I asked for questions, and this is one that, that came up, and I want to ask you this and see what you would say about this, because you are a pioneer in this medium. This person says, what upcoming paper, and she she has um, a little bit of prologue to the question, but I think this is the bulk of it. What upcoming paper or material do you see emerging as a pioneer medium that will be a future go-to for for artists? So I think what she's really getting at is, is there, you know, like a, a new paper or some other medium to be using maybe even with colored pencil? Also, have you seen any novel techniques that you want to explore? So anything currently that you're looking at that you think, oh, this would be interesting? For me, no. The reason is because once you become a professional artist, I don't have time to play or experiment. I'm either going to sit down and I'm going to do something. You're busy doing your work, right? right. I, I don't have time to go looking for different products, different things. Different, but let me tell you. I encourage playing. Yeah. Um, and I will say this. A lot of people say they're self-taught, which I kind of consider myself self-taught. Right. I actually let the medium teach me hmm. mm -hmm. because I paid attention. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. I put pencil to paper, what I was doing, learning by mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mistakes are absolutely wonderful teachers. They're not mistakes, actually. Yeah. They're great learning experiences. Right. And you let your mistakes teach you. Don't get discouraged by them. They've got something right. to teach you. If you don't like it, don't do that again. Find something you do like in what you did and do that again. Right. Oh, I love that. So I let color pencil teach me. I let oil teach me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will let watercolor teach me. Right. I plan to play with watercolor, but okay. <laughs> so that's something you're you're uh, looking forward to to exploring a little bit more, maybe. One of these days, I've only had yeah. it a couple of years, but you know, I still keep playing with what I'm playing with. Do you use solvent? No, don't know how. I know there are people that do, and some of them are very successful with it, but I don't. I just like blending with the brush. Okay, so. The pencils and the brush, and that's it, mm -hmm. right? You mentioned something about your workday. What does the workday look like? I wake up about five. <laughs> <laughs> I do some reading, and I eventually get around to um, eating breakfast after I have a glass of water and a cup of coffee, and I eventually uh -huh. get around to eating breakfast. So I'm in here, say, nine o'clock, and I try to work from nine to three. My dogs come in. I've got my dogs locked up at the moment. Uh, my dogs come in about 1.30 or 2.30 deciding it's time to eat, which it isn't. But <laughs> <laughs> they start harassing me. So yeah. I get out of here about 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much what I shoot for. Uh, doesn't mean I always get to do that because the weather right. may be bad. I work with natural light. Okay. 
I don't like artificial light. And so if the light's good, yeah, uh, I want to paint. Do you work one piece at a time or do you have more than one going on? Oh, this actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually I have, let me see about five oil paintings going at the moment. Mm -hmm. I have several colored pencil pieces going at the moment, but, but when you glaze or when you, I work in oil, I have to let the painting dry. Right. Right. So once I get to a point where I I've done all I can do, I have to quit. Yeah. It seems like a lot of oil painters do that. They've got more than one going at one time. What are you shooting for? What, what are you uh, looking forward to in, in the future? What are you, what are you working for currently? Well, as I mentioned, about my age i have <laughs> i made a decision to do what i wanted to right. now, of course i'm in a gallery and the gallery lets me do what i want to and i do need to talk about the gallery i just want to do what i want to do but right but you know there's there's a conflict sometimes between what you want to do and what you might enter in a competition i learned a long time ago that what i enter in a competition may not be acceptable in the gallery and you know, I may not necessarily want to do. Do you feel like the gallery is more commercialized? Like people are wanting that to be in their home versus a competition. It needs to have more meaning or something. Or what? what is the difference? Well, all my life, I've wanted to be a fine artist. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in my head, I'm not quite sure what that means, but, you know, fine art. Right. The gallery, and I've noticed uh, that the gallery... Because generally when people go in to buy something, they don't know what they're looking for necessarily. They want something right, to hang on their right. walls. Do they want something pretty to hang on their walls? Do they want something that's an investment? And I think art used to be an investment. I'm not so sure now that all of it's an investment. Mm -hmm. But um, I do have that conflict sometimes. Do I paint this for the gallery? Do I paint this because I want to? Mm -hmm. uh, they put no pressure on me at all. I think they're quite unique. Um, yeah, sounds like it. No, at my age, I've just decided I want to do what I want to do because I want to do it. I like that. So, <laughs> if it's, I like that if a lot. It's for the gallery, fine. If it's for a competition, yeah. fine. If it's not, yeah. fine. You know, <laughs> I just want to do it. Is that what intrigued you with doing a lot of the fruits with cellophane around them? Oh, that's such a marvelous story. Uh, the first one that I did, actually, I bought some pears. Uh -huh. And I ha I do what I call a slipknot. Uh, the painting, the yeah. piece is called, um, oh, what is it? 98 cents per pound. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, And uh, that's the first piece I actually did. The window in the winter this time of year comes through my kitchen window. Uh, what did I say? The light. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and crosses over to the bar. And I looked over and I saw those pears in the plastic bag and I went, oh, my gosh. And I ran and got a camera. <laughs> now, this was film camera. This is so far back. It was film oh, well, So okay. I took a bunch of pictures of that and decided yeah. I would do it. Oh, I had no idea what I was getting into. It's so abstract. I, I think I would get lost in a lot of those details. Oh, that's why they're difficult. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I, I hated what I was doing. I really did. And I... I <laughs> I put it, I put them on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, upright so I can study them. And I studied that. That's the ugliest thing. Oh, no, I'm <laughs> going to start over. So I did that about three times. And finally, I pushed through and I finished it. 
Well, I entered it in nationals, and uh-huh. it got a lot of attention from the gallery owner. Now, huh. it didn't win an award, but, but I learned something about awards. There's awards, and then there's awards. Um, I didn't win an award per se, but the gallery owner liked my piece so much that he contacted a friend of his that worked on the newspaper. And he walked this guy around and he said, I'm going to show you three pieces. And he showed him three pieces and he left it up to the guy. Uh, what article, which one he wanted to highlight in his article. Right. Well, guess which piece. They pick one of that. yours. Yeah. And so I thought, well, that's that so cool. That is awesome. What size are these? I mean, I are know. they large or small? <laughs> They're <laughs> like pretty a, good. They're pretty good size. Yeah. Uh, that was probably 24 inches. And I'm just guessing. Right. You know, right. Close to 18 by 24 or something. Okay. Okay. Um, but because this one got so much attention, I thought a series. Yeah. And then I started working on them, you know, waiting for the light to be just right. So right. I could take, uh, photos, whole series on them. So incredible. I just love the contrast. I mean, you've got this very, very dark background in most of them. And then the light reflection in the bag is just so striking. Are you using black most of the time in your yes. backgrounds in? Yes. Okay. Now, these are all on sandpaper. Every one of them are on sandpaper. Okay. So, uh, yes, I build the black. I, I don't like working on black paper. Uh, right. I, I don't like working on black paper is because uh, I think it compromises the lights. I really do believe that. Even though sometimes they look like they pop, they're really dull. Yeah. And number two, most black paper has a 20% fade. Hmm. For example, at the bottom of the page, the Native American that's in black and white. Yeah. I did that picture in, I think, does it say on there what year I did it? Uh, uh, it says study done in 93, right? Okay, Is 93. Yeah. I did that on uh, gray paper. Ah, Over okay. the years, that paper turned pink. And that's that Mitant's paper? No, I have no idea what it was. Oh, I got you. Okay. See, this goes way back. So, oh, okay. I, uh, I have no idea. It was just a piece of paper and it was gray and I did the piece. Now, it doesn't hurt it mm. because uh, of what it is black and white, but right. the paper did turn pink and it was not in direct light. Yeah, so that's interesting. Turned. Yeah. Right. So, that's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Your piece with the, the bell pepper. I am not what I seem. Um, And (laughs) that sticker looks, I mean, it looks just real. That would have driven me insane. I'm hoping that this one was pretty large, like maybe 20 inches in one direction or something. I still have it. It's it's pretty large. It is. It's probably at least 18 inches by something. That's just a lot of detail packed in there. This one, when I took the photo, I tell you, I was biting at the bit to do this one. I could not wait <laughs> to do that piece. Mm-hmm. And it just, it turned out very well. I was, I really Yo, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is amazing work. You know, I'm looking at your work and once in a while, I mean, uh, you know, I'm seeing a few different styles here. Once in a while, I'm looking at uh, some of the, uh, structures and uh, cityscapes a little bit. And, uh, and then I'm looking at portraits and there is probably something that unifies all of this, but what would you say is one of the things that you're thinking about when you're approaching any piece? What's the most important thing? Drama. 
I think. Drama. Yeah. Like in the plastic black bag. Pieces, yeah. Um, I, I like uh, the intense light and the intense dark and how they play against each because we're looking at something very, very common. We're looking at it in a, in a different way or an unusual way. But then a portrait might strike me. For instance, the uh, woman with the white hair, the black lady with the white hair. Yeah. I saw her in Walmart for several years. And mm. she was so striking with that white hair. I just, yeah. But I never said anything to her until about five years later. And then I, the last, in fact, it was the last time I saw her in Walmart. Um, I walked up to her and asked her uh, if I could do her portrait. And she was very sweet, invited oh, me to her home. Really? And, uh, she lived about 20 miles from me. Yeah. And uh, I went to her home and took pictures. Nice. And we were both very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing. She didn't have a clue what to do. And I was trying to direct her. And yeah. So, yeah. so um, you know, I took quite a few pictures, thanked her, got a permission from her to do it. Right. And um, so it took four years. Uh, one day I just kind of ran into her pictures on my computer and I looked at them different and I thought, wow, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and I had started playing, working with on colored uh, paper, uh, the Canson in different colors. Ah, okay. That's so what I this is on. Huh? I wanted to do her. Mm -hmm. But I was going to use a brown paper. I thought, well, that'll be easy with the skin tones. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I couldn't use browns on her at all. Yeah. So yeah. I had to come up with a different plan to do mm -hmm. her skin tones. And I used raspberry and black raspberry. Ah, yeah. And uh, a lot of those colors um, because brown just didn't work. Yeah. Mm, I learned a lot doing it, and I love doing. It. And I sent her um, the picture in a text. She happened to be in church that day, and it had been four years, right? Uh -huh. So she, she texts me back. She says, "Who is this?" <laughs> I said, "Do you remember the lady that came to your home and took pictures of you?" She says, "Well, I've slept since then. I took her. Uh, it was in one of Ann Kohlberg's books, and I took her a signed copy." Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, it's such a nice portrait. I, I love that. Yeah, that hair is, there's something very unifying about the entire piece also, I think, because of the white and the hair and in the shirt and then the, the background. It's so striking, so beautiful. I love that and one. And her shirt was kind of a yellow green. Change that. Yeah. Oh, that, that I think probably made a big, big difference. That mm -hmm. looks so nice. You know, I'm looking at Mesmerized, uh, the portrait of the little girl. And with that one, you know, the lighting situation is more of this very oversaturated up against her light, light skin. It looks like, I mean, you've got the black background in there, but it, it's almost um, like a departure from some of your other portraits. Oh, like. yes. That's my granddaughter. So cute. That was one of the first pieces I ever did. Very and that nice. one is on Canson paper also. Some of these dark backgrounds, I think, are a contrast to the fragility of lives and dreams mm -hmm. with it just being real soft and mm -hmm. subtle. Stories on display. Can you talk mm -hmm. to me about that one? That one's graphite and colored pencil. Mm -hmm. And it looks like um, 
you know, that there's like an outline around the body. Yes. Oh, I enjoy doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, interesting. I, do, I do kind of it's a different uh, style a little bit from so, what yeah. you're doing. Sometimes I, I guess I do like to play. I wanted to work on toned paper. Mm-hmm. And um, so I decided as I was working on that, that I thought I'm just going to outline this because it just, I think it just looks cool outline. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I didn't show her face. I mean, I would have had permission to do her, yeah. uh, but I wanted to put the focus on the shirt yeah. more than anything else. Oh, and by the way, the little girl, uh, you know, the one right next to it, to the right of it with the uh-huh. blue eyes and the curly hair. I saw her in Walmart also. Really? Yes. It's very difficult for me to go up to someone and ask do their portrait. <laughs> me too. Little girl you- walking toward me, and I looked at her right. and I went, "Oh my god!" And I stomped my foot and I said, "No," and I walked away. <laughs> so I walked down another aisle, and there she is again. And I went, "No." So I walked away, and there she was for the third time. And I, oh, all right. So <laughs> I walked up to the woman she was with, assuming it was her mother, but it wasn't. Uh-huh. It was her aunt, and um. I told her, I said, I'm not after a commission. I just, you know, would like to do a, a portrait of her. And so I uh-huh. gave her a business card and we left. Never heard from her. I thought, well, that went through the washer and dryer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I saw her. I walked in Walmart one day back by the deli and I saw the back of her head. And I went, oh, there's that little girl. There she is again. <laughs> and so uh, she turned around and the woman that was with her this time was her mother. Mm. And I asked her, I said, you know, Blah, blah, blah. And uh, she said, you know, we were just talking about that last night and we decided we let you do it. Oh, that's so cool. So um, and this was film camera, too, long before. Yeah. Digital. And this was 2008, I think. When I took mm. pictures of her. I love this one. This this one is so striking to me. I have done so many of her from that. Really? Shoot. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I, I love this one a lot. And, you know, in that uh, top right corner you've got it very very dark which helps those lights to uh come out so much it's just so that striking hair is Love a that. nightmare to try to do her hair. yeah so what uh so that's blonde hair this would be a good mm-hmm. thing for um others to to know about what what colors did you use mostly in that do you recall mm-hmm. well you have to use the lightest browns you have and cream mm-hmm. uh maybe there's there's some white just for the highlights mm-hmm. um, and just mostly, mostly just like colors, but tri- yeah. it's tricky because you have to work on either side of the uh, the hair. You know, I have yeah. to draw the darks and pay attention to those shapes because I can't go back in with a pencil and make those that light. Right. I have right. to leave it the paper. It has to be just like the paper. Go in and do the, all the darks. Uh, that's another point, too. Uh, you have to do the darks first. In uh, anything that I do, I pay attention to what the darkest value is, and I work on that first. Um, because if I blend with the brush, and even just use a pigment with sandpaper, it floats across the paper and gets it dirty. It contaminates yeah. it. So right. I do the darks first. I blended with the brush. I went back in with tacky, and I cleaned all that hair with tacky. Mm-hmm. And then I go back in and I add the lights and then I fix it, you know, kind of 
pull them closer together with the dark next right. to the light and the light next to the dark. So, um, do you have like a, an amount of time that usually one piece takes? Do you ever time it or anything like that? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I used to time them. Uh, back when I first started working in color pencil, I did like 8 by 10 It would take me 40 hours to do an 8 by 10 uh-huh. Just estimate. Right. And right. I entered a piece in a show, and I lost best of show because my piece was too small. The judge would have given it to me, but she thought my piece was too small. So I thought, okay. What are your thoughts on that? I'm like, <laughs> just okay, yes, I'll just work bigger. <laughs> I'll so just I work got, bigger then. <laughs> I got a, if that's all whole, it is. Oh, <laughs> sheet of canceled paper. Oh, my <laughs> and goodness. And I work, that's and funny. I'm like. Oh, my goodness. Well, what have I done? Yeah. But, uh, I learned, actually, that working bigger didn't take that much longer. Right, right. So everything got upsized. Yeah. So around 40 hours, probably, still? Mm, yeah, still. Even, but even you know what bigger. it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess everyone wants to know that. I mean, that that's one of the questions that usually um, some of my students ask. You have heard of um, some artists that take hundreds of hours and thousands of hours uh, to complete pieces. So no I think thanks. everyone's curious about that. <laughs> What's that? I said, no, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. That's no, exactly actually, how I feel. Actually, my theory is the more you do, the better you get. And a little faster you get. And the more um, you do, the faster you get because yeah. you, you figure it out. That's yeah. why I say, let the medium teach you. Right. It will teach you everything you need to know if you pay attention. Talk to us about skin tones. What are what are your thoughts on on uh, skin tones? Do you have a, a recipe palette? Uh, a lot of people like that kind of thing. <laughs> no. Um, there okay. is no formula. There is that. no formula for skin tones. It's right. just like everything else. Your palette is determined by your reference material. Yeah, because the lighting may be different, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like for instance, the girl with the blue hair. Yeah. I couldn't use that palette, the same palette I used with the girl with the multicolored hair. Yeah, exactly. So, are there any pencils though that you're like, ah, this is this is just such a good skin tone though that I like to gravitate towards when I'm doing lighter skin or anything like that that you can point I to? Tried. Um. Oh, it's a few months back to pull out all my pencils, every brand I had, Mm -hmm. and pull out skin tones and colors. And there were some absolutely lovely colors, and I really Mm -hmm. liked them. Mm -hmm. But it took me forever to remember which one I used. I'm Mm, so familiar with Prismacolor. I can just, I know which pencil I need by the barrel color. Just by sight, yeah, looking at it. Some of these, you may have a, a black barrel, and it's got a little tip on the bottom that you identify the color by. <laughs> yeah, I deal with those. And, and it began to drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I guess if you, if you like uh, Tanya Gant, who just does portraits, uh, I'm sure she's got a palette that she uses uh, with different pencils. But uh, no, for me, no, I stick with Prismacolor. Um, and you're just looking at that reference and saying, what colors do I see here mm-hmm. that would exactly put the bill right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know those pencils. I know them. Yeah, right, right. Well, you've been working in the medium for a while. Uh, you mm-hmm. start to, and if you don't switch materials, you start to gain, you know, this this knowledge, this right. intimate it knowledge. It can get confusing, I think, using uh, different brands of pencils. 
And then again, I can't because I work on sandpaper and they don't, if they're not, uh, if it's not the wax binder, uh, they don't adhere. So I'm in trouble right there. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest questions that I'd like to ask guests is what advice you know, would you give your former self or any new artist coming to the medium today? What advice would you have for them? Well, I live in a small town of a thousand people. Uh-huh. When I started on this road, I had no mentors. I had no guides. I had no teachers. I had no one to give me advice as to what to do. I did run into a woman one time, uh, when I first joined the color pencil society in, uh, 2000 mm-hmm. told me to enter a competition. She said, but don't enter local competitions, international competitions. So I said, I thought, okay, but because there were so many things I didn't have, I could have stopped. I could have just said, well, you know, I don't have a, a room to work in. I don't have uh, this. I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you do that, a dream can never be realized. Mm-hmm. So my advice is you use what you've got. You go with what you've got. Doesn't matter how small. Use what you've got and go from there. Uh, now our master bedroom is my studio. Um, <laughs> And it creeps into all over the rest of the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. My husband doesn't mind. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, this room is full of art stuff. It's my whole life. The most important thing is uh, use what you've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can go a long way. So don't think that you don't have something and that exactly. will make all the difference. Use That's what right. you do have, right? Yeah. Yes. That's so good. I know people who uh, don't have the perfect situations and therefore mm-hmm. they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want yeah. to look back one day and say, I wish I had. Right. You know, in this, the same thing, I guess, could probably be said about materials. You should try to get good materials and the best you can get, but Absolutely. you can still create good art sure if you have uh, a 48 set instead of the 60 set or something mm-hmm. yeah interesting I, you start I with tell what all you all my students too i tell them you're intuitive your intuitive is in there you just have to pull it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're all intuitive they just haven't learned how to exercise it or use it nothing thrills me more than see my students uh the progress they make and oh, it's, it's so fun. Sometimes they really surprise me with color mm-hmm. choices or something. After a while, uh, I leave them to themselves and I say, well, if you fall in the hole, you fall in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> that may sound horrible, but I really, I really instruct them. I mean, I give them yeah. the basics um, and, and I have a curriculum that they follow. Uh-huh. And then they're, they, um, they start working on their own projects, what they want to work on with advice. I won't ever let them do something over their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they insist, I will. And that's yeah. where I let them fall because, you know, if you don't, I, I'm not controlling or manipulative. They right. can do what they want to do. Right. But um, they're either going to pull it off or they're not. Right. And a lot of times they will. And it yeah. really surprises me. That's exciting. 
So you you enjoy teaching then, right? Oh, it sounds it. like you I really love, love that. I really yeah. do. I love teaching. Yeah. Are you um I, I'm guessing in 2020 you probably didn't do a whole lot of in-person teaching. Um, did you do any like online um, workshops or anything like that? Or you? No, I don't have um, the capabilities of doing that. Uh -huh. uh, and I guess I've resisted. I kind of went kicking and screaming into digital cameras and I'm kind of going kicking and screaming <laughs> into that too. But um, <laughs> no, and it's very frustrating for my students. They're all very sad. They love their class. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's very sad. And I drive 120 miles to my students. That's what oh, wow. I yeah, that's 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 a long way. That's a trip. They pay me nicely, though. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. What? So talk about galleries. I know we mentioned it briefly. If there's someone listening and they're wanting to get into a gallery, what what advice would you have for, for that person who's learning the medium and started to, uh, you know, get a body of work together and they're thinking, OK, now I want to maybe approach a gallery or two. What advice would you have? Okay. <clears throat> Let me go back to Carrie Ballantine. Carrie Ballantine said three things. To, well, actually, Carrie Ballantine's workshop changed my life. Number one, the sandpaper. Mm -hmm. Number two, I had taken some of my work and Carrie saw it and she said, you've got it. She didn't explain it. She just said, you've got it. And then I met her in the hall um, during that workshop and she advised me. She says, gather some of your work and take it to a gallery. That's all she said. Mm -hmm. So I went home and I thought about it. And I had just been to Southwest Gallery with a friend of mine. Now, Southwest Gallery is the oldest, largest gallery in Dallas. Mm. And um, I had just been with a friend of mine. And I, I asked him, I said, do you take any colored pencil work? And I showed him a business card. And one of the salespeople said, well, no, not really. Uh, we don't take work under glass. Ah, okay. And um, I didn't really understand that at first. They said they had a watercolor painter mm -hmm. that was very prolific, and he'd won every award you can imagine in watercolor. They said they can't sell his work. Hmm. Now, if he walks in with an oil painting, yeah, they can. So from Carrie's advice, I thought, okay, well, well when is some time? Sometime is now or sometime is when I feel like I'm ready. No, I <laughs> called them and I set up an appointment to see yeah. them the following Friday. So I carried my work in. It was in a portfolio. Uh -huh. Put it at the front of the gallery. And my husband and I walked around and walked around. When I came back, the portfolio was gone. And I asked the secretary, where, where did that go? She said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wonderful. That's so I my work. In the corner, and they had taken my work out of the portfolio and they had laid it out where the um, they do their framing. Yeah. And they were looking at it. And uh, the gallery director, uh, he didn't give me an answer. And so I went home. He said, just leave it and we'll let you know. So I left it. Next week I called and I can't tell you what he said, but. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he said, oh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll do it next so-and-so. So I called. No, he hadn't looked at it. No, he hadn't. Mm -hmm. No, well, this went on for six weeks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So finally, I told my husband, I said, okay, well, we're going to go get the work. 
go down you know, there. They're, yeah. they're either going to keep it or I'm going to take it home. So right. I walk in the door and he sees me and he goes, oh, you're uh, you're Linda Hardy. Yeah. He goes over there. He pulls out the work. He looks at it and goes, we'll keep it. I'm like, you could have told me six weeks ago when I could have done the happy dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, nice. I've been in that gallery 15 or 16 years. Nice. And, Very uh, cool. Of course, you know, they, they wanted me to do oil paintings because yeah. color pencil, I'm sorry. I don't want to disillusion anybody, but uh, I think people have this idea that oil paintings have longevity. They don't know about color pencil. They don't know about the graphite or right. anything like that. Plus, uh, and then there's the other issue of framing. It's so expensive. Uh, now, Southwest Gallery did all my framing, and they put incredible frames, and they put the, uh, the glass. What kind of glass is it? Um, uh, museum mm -hmm. glass. Right. Very expensive stuff. I mean, yeah. you, could look, you could just feel like you could reach in and. Oh, yeah. No reflection on it. It's right. so nice. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they went to a great deal of expense framing my work. Nice. And. Uh, and you know, some of the pieces sold, but they didn't really start selling until I started bringing oil paintings to them. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm guessing that's a good relationship then. Um, mm -hmm. Percentage wise, that works out for you as well. Yeah. Let me talk about that too. One of my pet peeves, <laughs> I get really tired when I, I hear people say galleries take 50%. They do not take anything. You walk in, you give them a price, they double it. Or yeah. if you walk in and, and, and their price is in whatever price you quote, that's your right. fault. Yeah. That's yeah. not their fault. But they will tell you ahead of time. Southwest Gallery is 50%. But what they do is they double it. They have the building. They have the sales right. people. And actually, 50 is not that bad. I've heard no. of much higher. So. Well, I'm in another gallery, and theirs is, I think, 45. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I've got an opportunity to take my work to Scottsdale which uh, I'm really excited about. Nice. Is there anything that you think someone should uh, like prepare for if they're going to approach a gallery? I mean, this is, this is something that, you know, people ask about quite often um, and they want to get into a gallery the way it sounds. I mean, you're, you're not selling as much colored pencil work in that gallery in Southwest. No, but the gallery. oils don't sell that much either. Uh, okay. About the oldest and largest. Yeah, so there's a lot of competition <laughs> in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then most of the work they sell is huge, mm, okay. really big. So they yeah. wanted me to start painting bigger. Well, I did. I started painting bigger. Well, that was interesting. One of my pieces sold uh, last year that went to a hundred foot yacht in Florida. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <sighs> But, it, you know, it was an oil painting and it yeah. was a big one. Right. But as far as um, approaching a gallery, first, you have to look at the kind of work they have to see if you would fit. Right. Uh, and then you just bring your best work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they will tell you whether they will take it or not. I think more galleries are taking color pencil work. When I first started, they didn't have Seems a clue like. what color pencil was. Yeah. Right. Well, some of them talk about they don't like it that uh, these works are on paper. Right. You know, so. So do you spray your work? Do you protect it yes. with a spray? Okay. Yes. I spray with Krylon UV 
resistant clear gloss. Okay, gloss. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, the spray will eliminate wax bloom, mm -hmm. and it will also intensify the colors. Mm -hmm. Now, pinks, mm -hmm. anything in that family, uh, might intensify so much that you don't like it. So you do have to be aware of uh, what it's going to do on, yeah. on your work. Right. But I've always sprayed every piece. Okay. My husband and I were fortunate enough to take a trip to Italy in 2000. And nice. Yeah. While we are, were in Italy, I had kind of an awakening. It's, you're 53 years old. When are you going to do this? <laughs> so um, I, I came home and I, I thought about that. Um, when? And so I found the Colored Pencil Society. I have no idea how. Um, mm -hmm. The chapter in Dallas, and I went to a few meetings, and, uh, and it totally changed my life. But the thing that I think was the most significant thing was calling myself a professional artist. That was difficult. That was why? Why? why is that? Why was that difficult? I don't know. Did it cross over some kind of barrier in your mind? Sure. You were, yeah. Sure. You know, okay. I look at some of these artists who have these big, fine studios, you know, right. separate buildings and gorgeous big easels and fine oil paintings. And they're in galleries and they're all over, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's the artist. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. That's why yeah. I say it's so important to use what you've got. Right. This is what I've got. If yeah. I don't use what I've got, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and wish I had. Was there something in that trip that made you think, hey, you know, uh, I mean, other than just being out of the country, was it, did you visit a gallery or something? Was there something that happened that, that you started thinking, you know, this is it. I got, I got to do this. I, I have no idea. We were yeah. in Florence. Uh, we actually okay. stayed, you went to we Florence. Actually stayed wow. nearly three weeks. Nice. Uh, we had we knew a lady there, and uh, she worked at the fort. She was a director, and uh, she took us uh, there. Now this is during the summer, so uh -huh. we're all off at the beach, and um, we got to tour this place where they actually restore these paintings. Oh my gosh, was it life changing? I mean, it was right. It, it was definitely life changing. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I because every picture I took. I even got my husband mad at me once I asked him to move out of the picture frame <laughs> so I could take a picture because that was on my mind. It, it, everything in Italy was on my mind to take pictures for uh, coming home and maybe doing art, which I was not doing, yeah. really. I mean, I, I was dabbling in colored pencil, but okay, I wasn't right. really doing anything. So you started, uh, you started taking it serious then. Uh -huh. Yeah. Hmm. And I, and I, the most significant thing was I began to start calling myself a professional artist. I said, well, if I don't do it, no one's going to. You know, somebody said that recently they saw uh, some discussion where someone made a comment about that if you can't take a critique, that you're not an artist, you're not a professional artist, or something, something like that was a sentiment. If you think about that term, though, in some ways, I mean, it can be as loose and it can be as um, siloed as you want. 
if you're creating art, you are an artist, right? I mean, in our own mind, there's something that maybe we feel like we're not doing well enough. But if you're doing it at all, if there's any degree of, of the whatever that something is, are you still, I mean, aren't you an artist? You know, I, I don't know. But I, I just don't think that it, it, you have to be mindset. able to take a critique even. It's a mindset. But yeah. let me talk about yeah. critiques. I want to talk about critiques. No one critiques my work. I don't let anyone critique my work. You know what critiques my work? Whether or not I get in the show. If I get in the show, if I win an award, that's the critique. Now, critique is the great word. It's the criticism that's bad. Mm -hmm, right. Because I have seen people crushed. Right. Oh, criticism. yeah. Right. That's why. And, and I'm sensitive. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think my work is incredible. But if one person said something that was a criticism, it might crush me. Well, right. I think maybe we all have that in common as artists. <laughs> so I won't let people critique my students work. I mean, criticize, critique, whatever. I won't let anyone yeah. do that. I critique their work. I offer them suggestions. I let them be their critique, their yeah. critiquer. That's well, that's real important, isn't it? Uh, to be able to but you, but we're look at your own work. Yeah. We're really sensitive. And right. we, we have to be really careful who we let say something to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for instance, you know, I'm playing around with these negative shape pieces that, with the colored pencil, the grapes. Uh-huh. I saw um, that. Perhaps that's odd, but I had so much fun doing that. <laughs> and and I didn't care whether anybody liked them or not. I like yeah. them. You have to be, you do have to be very careful who you let critique because some people can do more damage than they can do good. Right. Yeah, definitely. My critique is whether I get in the show or whether I win an award. Um and if it doesn't, sometimes it shocks me, but I don't take it personally. Um, mm -hmm. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I, right. I don't. Um, the girl, the, the woman with the white hair, I was just sure she was an award winner. Just sure. Mm -hmm. But she hasn't been. So <laughs> <laughs> you just don't ever know. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you're you're talking about a person's opinion. You know? Sure. Yeah. And that's all it is. Right. Exactly. It's an opinion, and you've got to understand that. Right. So absolutely, I don't. I I'm here to build people up. Right. I'm here to build confidence in my mm -hmm. students, self confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not here to tear them down. <laughs> right. So I build. They do that enough on their own. <laughs> they do, and I have students that I've had for years and years and years and years and years that still do that, and I fuss yeah. at them. Yeah. Right, right. Because I learned mm. to quit doing it. I do mm -hmm. not do that. I do not tear my work apart. Yeah, it makes and, a big and, difference, doesn't and I it? I can. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Because, and I fail sometimes. I Sometimes uh, I'll do something that it just didn't turn out like I wanted it to. But I just let it go. Right. Go right. on to something else. <laughs> you know, some people have uh, do have goals, and, and yeah. I, I advise you to follow your goals, follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm living my dream. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Well, color pencil has been has been good to me. Mm -hmm. It's been very good to me. And I'm truly thankful. To me, there's some, just something refreshing about 
an underdog medium, a new medium mm-hmm. like colored pencil and one that uh, most people don't get, you know, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. There's still once in a while, there's a snicker in uh, a, an art store or a gallery. If you mention colored pencil, I, I love that about it in some ways, because it's like, wow, we've got more work to do. We've got more that we need to educate people on mm-hmm. about the medium. Back in, um, 2004, you know, up to that time, I had only entered one show a year. And there was a show I had been watching on the internet for three years. Uh-huh. And I, I decided I would enter it. And I thought, okay, well, I mean, I'm going up against the best of the best. I mean, right. these people were amazing. Mm-hmm. And I entered three pieces in this show. And up to that time, I never knew any show took more than one piece. So, you know, I thought, well, if anything gets in one piece, well, this is prior to emails and whatnot. So they sent me a letter and I went out to the mailbox and I got the letter and opened the letter and I read it and they accepted all three pieces. Wow. I sat down on the bench (laughs) and I cried. (laughs) I, I literally had no idea. That is so exciting. Now, the interesting thing about that is they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know what category to put me in because they, they didn't know what color pencil was. That is what, what show was it? Uh, it's uh, in Clifton, Texas. It's called the Bosky. Oh, okay. And uh, it's, it's a super premier show and they, they like Western art. Okay. It's not that I don't do, I would, of course I do live in Texas. You'd think I'd have some cowboy right. hog tie. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a tumbleweed. <laughs> it's, you know, again, it's hard to go, oh, man, I'd love to do your portrait. You know, some guy's right. looking at you like, eh? Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I have a, I have the hardest time with that. I was hoping you had some golden answer for that. <laughs> oh, no. I've stomped my feet and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I approach people, but uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes, a lot of times it doesn't. I don't have everything. I don't have, I just <laughs> use what I've got. Yeah. If I approach somebody in Walmart or somewhere, of course, now they're right. wearing masks. You can't see them, but, right. um, you know, it, it's, uh, people are suspicious. Yeah, they are. And, yeah, then, and then it's awkward going over with a camera and not knowing what you're doing. And right. They're not knowing what they're doing. And Yeah. I think especially in 2020, it's, um, it was a very suspicious time to approach anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's looking at you cross-eyed. Do you still enter the international show, uh, the CPSA international show? Yes. Yeah. If I get in this next one, I will get my 15-year pen. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I really, really want that. But I don't get in every show. Yeah. I have entered every year, but I don't get in every show. I've been entering since 2020. And if I get in this one, it'll be... Uh, so there's six, you know, mm-hmm. that I haven't gotten in. Mm, wow. Well, yeah. I have never had a clue. What I'm doing, honestly, until you did it, (laughs) right? Right. From the very beginning, other than that woman telling me to enter national shows rather than uh, local shows, Uh I enter local shows too now sometimes. Yeah, but um, I have I hadn't a clue, and I still don't have a clue how I've gotten from, you know, where I began not having a clue. Well, I mean, but the work speaks for all the books and all. all the yeah, magazine. I mean, the, the work speaks for itself, right? I mean, the if the work is high caliber, you know, I do it the way I want to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I don't let, uh, even in oil painting, I do it the way I want to do it, and it doesn't fit, you know, because it's not loose. It's not loose or, you know. Yeah. People have kind of a mindset uh, on how things are supposed to be, and I still just do it the way I want to do it. And if it's, uh, that's the way I've always done with color pencil. I do what I want to do, and I do it the way I want to do it. Well, you mentioned loose. I mean, do you have um, anyone that asks you, like, when are you going to loosen up or when are you going to you oh, know, start you doing things more impressionistic? Or- <laughs> oh, the look I give them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and my favorite pet peeve is, well, if it's going to look like a photograph, why don't you just take a picture? Yeah. How do you answer that? <laughs> oh, well, I first want to slap them. But right, right. second, I never do, but... <laughs> You have no idea the skill it takes right. to do photorealism. And the changes that and you make I, to I your am composition. Not striving for photorealism. With all my students, they want to strictly adhere to that photo and everything in it. Right, right. Uh, and photos will lie to you. Mm-hmm, sure. They tell you things are too dark. They tell you things are right. too light. They will lie to you. Right. Uh, and I've tried to, uh, to get them. Uh, to put it back, look at it, and you decide what it needs. Mm-hmm. Don't let the photo decide what it needs. You decide what it needs. That's a very important part of the creation process, I think. Yes. Uh-huh. Of course, I do work from photos, but you can't do color pencil without working from photos. Right. It'd be kind of but... <laughs> tough. <laughs> you know, in the way we were taught... In the, the late 60s and the 70s, you know, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do it that way. So I've been a salmon swimming upstream my whole life. <laughs> when I fell into colored pencil, it was like, this is the medium I was meant for. This is it. Mostly because of that precision and mm-hmm. yeah. And then it appealed to that rebellious streak in you, huh? I'm not rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh I am funny. totally uh, good-natured and easy to get along with. Yeah, no, to I'm, I'm, totally, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> you try to push me into doing art the way you want me to do it. I'm right, right, do it. right. I'm too old now to even mess with it, but yeah. <laughs> so you only work on the 800 grit, and mm-hmm. then do you um, work on it mounted on a board or good just question. the loose paper? Good question. Or, yeah. I have a drawing table. Okay. And I have drawing boards. I have lightweight drawing boards. And when you work with sandpaper, you have to tape the sandpaper all the way around. You don't ever do that with paper. Mm-hmm. But with sandpaper, you have to because it can come curled. Yeah. Curled. So I tape it all the way around with two-inch all-purpose tape. Mm-hmm. And then I put another layer of tape around it because the sandpaper is so strong, it'll pull the tape off the drawing board. Interesting. So I, I, and I flip my board constantly. I work upside down, sideways, around, ever which way. I don't, yeah. I'm not restricted to working upright. Uh huh. So yeah, it's on a drawing board, taped on a drawing board, on a drawing table. Mm hmm. And there is a slant on your yes. drawing board, your table? My husband okay. says, I think he said it's 40 degrees. You can buy, you are mounted on a board, but you don't do that. You're, uh, when you frame it, what do you do? Okay, here's the reason why I don't buy the UR, because the grain, the grain is critical. I have to uh, get the picture on the paper so that mm-hmm. I can work across the grain. If the grain is going the wrong way, 
it fights me. Does that make sense? If you look at the little girl with the, mm-hmm. the curly hair, you yeah. can, you'll see that the grain is is vertical. Right, right. If I had that grain horizontal, I couldn't do her face because I, I'd be working sideways trying to go across the grain, and I, I yeah, I couldn't do it. Right. So, do you? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. So are you so you're getting it loose and then are you mounting it on a board before you frame it or anything or are no. you leaving it just now okay. i learned from a framer how to frame a piece mm-hmm. um and i mount it on uh foam core okay yeah and, and never all the way around you want it to hang right right uh, but it's a loose of, sheet uh, ex- of the expansion and contraction you want yeah it to hang. yeah right and then i put you know the mat on it Sure. And, uh, right. And then frame it. Right. Okay. And it's just the loose sheet then mm-hmm. of you art. Okay. I got you. Well, my husband does all my framing. If it's anything on paper, you know, if it's anything going to the gallery, they frame it. Now that's very unusual because most galleries don't do the frame. Yeah. That's, I, I <laughs> that's, that is a, a nice little gig there you got going. I'm sure. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, since cool. uh, all of this uh, has happened, I think they, you know, they've kind of backed off on some of the expensive framing. I mean, the my COVID, pieces. yeah, that mm-hmm. and uh, you know about I don't know, the economy kind of got bad a number of years back. Um, like two thousand eight timeframe, yeah, frame? yeah mm-hmm. okay. And yeah. Um, you know, I think they started kind of questioning some of the things that they did, but they still mm-hmm. frame them. But see, again, you go back to something on paper, and it has to be framed totally different. It's much more expensive than popping an eighteen by twenty four inch frame on something, right? Of course, right. mine uh, and all of my pieces, my colored pencil pieces, are are sized for composition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is paramount. So mm-hmm. they're gonna, most of them are going to be some odd size, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yeah. the, the green bell pepper, uh, the one mm-hmm. that you like. Right. Uh, that size for the composition. I couldn't focus on what I want to focus on, you know, square or right. just a regular rectangle. I couldn't do it. Right. Nine by twelve, eight by mm-hmm. ten, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you, how do you cut your sanded paper? Ah, good question. I have a pair of scissors that I only cut sandpaper with. Ah. Uh, because you have to replace them every dull. month. No, they're <laughs> just too kidding. dull to cut papers. So oh yeah, it's okay. The only pair of scissors that I cut sandpaper with. Uh, um, interesting. Now I have a paper cutter, but I would never use that for sandpaper. But uh, I also can run sandpaper through my printer. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Interesting. Because when I teach workshops using sandpaper, I have a template, and I print it on the paper, so huh. they don't have to. They don't have to do any drawing or oh, okay. transferring images or anything. What? So, what do you do with your layout? Like, what is your layout process like? Um. I'm going to make a confession here. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I like setting people free. Of yeah. A lot of the um, stigma that's on them for one reason or another. Um, I will go to FedEx office and I will have them make me a black and white print to my specified size. Uh-huh. Now, the reason, uh, let's say I'm doing a plastic bag. These are yeah. so complicated i can't draw that right um i started working on a piece many many years ago and i spent three days gritting the image and i said this is stupid this is stupid (laughs) 
<laughs> so I can I, imagine. I started. Uh, I started going. I go to FedEx office and I have them make me a print and um, to my specified size. Yeah. And uh, black and white image, and I use transfer paper, and I transfer the image. Now, I have had people behind my back make comments because I do that, that I'm not an artist or something because I don't draw. Oh, yeah. Time. There's always these purists that say, like to well, well, say you know, things about that. Good luck. I, I want you to go ahead and do what I do. Uh, you know, do one of these plastic bags and you, you know, you go ahead and see <laughs> right. if you can do it. You, <laughs> right. You know, they, they wouldn't take the challenge. Right. Right. But, but these are critical. If I don't have all these little triangles and shapes just right. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's so much abstract going on in this, in this kind of composition. But and yet there's so many colors in there too. I mean, you're talking about it being white and everything, but you've got a lot of color in here as well. well. I use all the grays: the French gray, the cool gray, and the warm gray. But I'm also seeing orange and some uh -huh. uh, turquoise and mm -hmm. a lot of different colors in here. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um. So. But you also have to understand that uh, the enlargements can also distort the image. Yeah, yeah. So you have to pay attention. And this is something right. I say all the time that my students could repeat in their sleep. Shape, value, color. Shape, value, color. Pay attention to your shape. Pay attention to your value. Color will lie to you. Mm -hmm. You get your shapes right. If you've got a problem, go back and look at the shape. I like how uh, that's just delineated so cleanly. Mm -hmm. Shape, value, color. That's shape, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. In that order. It makes In sense. In that order. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. That's my mantra. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I may steal that mantra and I'll yeah, just go ahead. give you credit for it. <laughs> there we go. Because a new... Uh, student to colored pencil or maybe any art medium will get that backwards and they think it's all oh. about the color. Oh, no, 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 no. If I just no. knew what colors you're using, mm -mm. you know. Mm -mm. Not at all. Dalhart Winberg, he says that huh. you can use any color you want as long as it's the right value. Yeah, I believe that. Now, I, I believe that. I haven't tested that or, I mean, maybe I have, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but. um you know, your values are critical, but shape, right. you can do anything with just the shape. Look at your shape. And and we see things sometimes askew when we're looking mm -hmm. at something. But uh, shape is, uh, go back to your shape if you're having a problem. And then go back, go to your value. And color mm -hmm. is the last thing to consider. Mm -hmm. mm. That makes a lot of sense uh, here recently. That was one thing that I was thinking I don't know why, you know how your mind, you, you just get a thought process in, uh, in your head and, and your thinking process that kind of drives you through a particular piece or that, that's the way I am sometimes. And I can't have sometimes any distraction. I can't listen to music or hear a documentary or listen to a podcast while I'm doing certain things. I couldn't I'm do art with music because I'd be dancing. <laughs> dancing around to it. <laughs> Moving so your pencils around. Music's distracting. <laughs> right. Maybe do an abstract if I did that. <laughs> but I thought a lot about that whole idea of, um, of value uh, being something that's very, very primary uh, to get me through a lot of this piece that I'm working on. I thought, 
wow, look at this. This is a light color, but it's such a dark, dark value over mm -hmm. here that it nearly matches, you know, like the hair, the, the mm -hmm. skin, the shadow in the skin nearly matches the hair because of that. The more I draw, the more I think about value uh, more and more. What I like to do occasionally is go back and do uh, something in graphite because, uh, yeah. uh, you Just know, then you'll study. know if you're if you're seeing value because you have uh -huh. to see value in the color. You have to. Right. Right. Uh, and if your values are off or, or take a picture of whatever you're working on and make yeah. it black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Your values that way. It but works so well. I yeah. remember, uh, again, Dr. Ollie Tyson uh, I'm in her class, and we're in a drawing class, and she says, go darker. Well, that resonated. Mm -hmm. And from that time on, I think I understood what she meant, go darker. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think a lot of people get lost in the midtones. Yeah, yeah. They just, it, going darker is absolutely difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it elevates a piece a lot. It does add more drama and pop to the piece whenever you have uh, that nice full range of values. So it's really uh, important, even for color pencil artists, it's really mm -hmm. important to understand value. Right, right. One of the most critical things is understanding value. Oh, my. I could talk to you for hours. I really could, Linda. I, I, <laughs> I want to be respectful of your time, though. This, this has been so good. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, this has been fascinating. You. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks again. And uh, I think that if you've not heard of Linda, if you're not familiar with her work, I think you're going to be really blown away. So we've talked about some of her works already. Uh, go over to her website, lindalucashardy.com, and you can see everything that we talked about. And, of course, I'll have... Uh, the notes over there in um, the uh, show notes for the podcast episode and a link to her website. So just go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And Linda, thanks again for coming on and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So guys, really appreciate you listening. If you've not left a rating and or a review for the show, you're welcome to do that. Just go over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcast and leave a rating or review for the show. This is a weekly show comes out on Monday every week at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.